Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron, and I am grateful, so grateful you are here with me this week. So hopefully you are tuning in week after week, but if you're just tuning in, this is part two of our Communicating Powerfully series with my excellent, excellent podcast guest, Liz Danziger. So if you didn't listen to part one, go back and listen to episode 90. And Liz and I talk all about written communication. And she gives some fabulous tips and tricks on how to really improve and refine your written communication. So it's more concise, more persuasive, and more meaningful. And it gets people to open up your emails. So go back and listen. This week, we are talking all about your verbal and nonverbal communication. Liz is a communication expert. She started her company, Work Talk, 27 years ago. She's written for magazines like Reader's Digest, Family Circle, Cosmopolitan, and she does workshops. She's also the author of four books. Uh, one of them I highly suggest you go pick up. It's called Get to the Point. And it's on Amazon. You can pick it up there. It's a great book. And I talk about how Liz really opened me up to some blind spots I had in my writing because I subscribed to her Vitamins monthly newsletter. And she had some powerful advice in there that just hooked me in. And now I carry Liz with me every day. And I'm, I'm not lying when I say that. I really think about Liz when I'm sitting down to write a proposal, when I'm sitting down to write an email, whether or not it's just a standard email or it's a pretty, you know, serious email. I, I have Liz with me now everywhere I go. And so I wanted to share her with you because she is so brilliant and she has so many great insights and all of her experience that she brings with her. And I'm just so grateful she is here to share some of those insights with you. So, you know, there's this interesting story of Milton Erickson, who is one of the most influential psychotherapists of the 20th century. And I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but at 17, he had polio, was paralyzed, and he was confined to his home before he was able to really speak and walk again. And what he would do is he would spend time observing his seven sisters, one brother and his parents, and even the nurse that was helping him. And he would watch how they would all interact with each other. And what he noticed is that so often their facial expressions didn't match their body movements. And what they were communicating non-verbally you know, basically didn't match what they were communicating with their words. And over time, he became a master at interpreting people's nonverbal communication. I think it's so interesting. He was able to tell that a woman was cheating on her husband by the way she held her legs tightly together with one foot wrapped around the other ankle. He could even guess a person's profession by the appearance of their hands, how they walked, how they held their head up. 
as well as including the inflections of their voice. And many people in his circle thought that he had psychic powers, but his talents were merely a result of studying people intensely over long periods of time. And Robert Greene talks about this in his book called The Laws of Human Nature. He shares the story about Eric Erickson. And the reality is, we all make judgments about other people's verbal and nonverbal communication. But when is the last time you took a look in the mirror or listened to yourself speak, recorded yourself to really analyze how you're showing up? Because the reality is, people that aren't as sophisticated as Eric Erickson are making judgments about you. So there is a big opportunity for us to take a moment and pause and really become conscious about how we're showing up. Because the reality is, there are a lot of times where our verbal and nonverbal communication don't match up. The one that sticks out in my mind right away is the example of when you're upset with someone, whether it's your kids, your spouse, your boss. And I mean, mostly it seems like it's more personal, but someone has upset you and you, they ask you, well, how are you? Is everything okay? And you say, yeah, I'm fine. But your arms are crossed. Your back is facing them. Your legs are crossed. You aren't open in any way physically. And that is not in alignment with what you're saying. You're saying you're fine, but your body language is saying something completely different. We're all familiar with this. We've all done it and we've all been on the receiving end of it. And this is powerful because as leaders, when we get up in front of a room and we are trying to inspire and convince and persuade about something that's important, and then we go to shake hands with someone and we give them a wimpy handshake, that does not exude confidence. So all of this is tied into executive presence. And Liz really talks about some of the pitfalls we as women make with our verbal and our nonverbal skills. I can't wait for you to listen. And I really encourage you to think about what is one thing that you will take from what Liz shares with you today and how will you put it into action this week? I really encourage you to think about that. Just one thing on what she shares. Put it into action. Just do it. You can do it. I know you can. And if you are feeling bold and revved up and ready to go and ready to change, then join our Women Leading Powerfully Leadership Lab. Go to the website, womenleadingpowerfully.com, sign up. Applications are now open. Our next 12-week cohort starts on January 13th, 2022. Don't delay. It's going to rock your world. It's going to give you the confidence and the clarity to take that next step. And I know Liz is going to fire you up and get you ready to take some action. So take some action this week. Be bold. Put her insights into action. And when you are feeling revved up, go sign up for the Women Leading Powerfully Leadership Lab. We would love to have you inside our 12-week program. And if you need more information, you can always reach out and I'm happy to jump on a call with you. So 
let's jump into my conversation with the one and only Liz Danziger. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. Liz, we are back for part two of Powerful Communication. And again, I'm so grateful you are here. I had such a great time in our interview last week. So thank you again for making time to come on this week. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. So last week, we really covered how to write powerfully and persuasively. And we talked about the three P's. I highly recommend if you haven't heard that podcast episode, please go back and listen to that conversation. Liz shared so much wisdom and so many insights and tips and tricks for really engaging in a powerful, persuasive way with your writing. Um, So I really suggest you go back and listen. And today, we are going to be covering verbal and nonverbal communication skills. So. Would love for just briefly, Liz, for those that might not have an opportunity to get to listen to last week's episode, would love for you just to share a little bit about yourself um, and then we'll dive in. All right. Well, I started my career as a writer and editor. I was, uh, I supported myself as a, I've written four books, published by major publishers and edited documents, everything from one paragraph to a thousand pages and wrote for many major national magazines. I mentioned the women's magazines last week. I've also written for the Journal of Accountancy and Personnel Journal, Training and Development Magazine. So over the last 30 plus years, I have taught business writing and business communication, a lot of people in the finance sector, and I'm focusing more and more on customer service and sales teams now because that's where you can really see the return on investment very powerfully. So I've been doing this for a very long time and feel free to contact me if you have any question about business writing or persuasive writing, technical writing, you name it, email effectiveness, I can probably answer it. Uh, you can definitely answer it. answer it. You are by far the expert and I highly recommend, I mentioned it last week, but I highly recommend that everyone subscribe to Liz's monthly newsletter, which is called Ritamins. Um, I talk about an example of how it impacted me in last week's episode. It, it is just powerful. There's actionable tips and tricks on how to really up-level your communication. So I highly suggest everyone subscribe to Liz's newsletter because it's very powerful and so appreciative that you put that out every month. Thank you. Absolutely. So today we're talking about verbal and nonverbal communication. And let's just start with what is the impact? I know we started there last week, but what is the impact of having powerful verbal and nonverbal communication? And likewise, what is the impact of not having it? I said last week that when we communicate, what's at stake is our credibility. And that 
is even more so in our spoken and our nonverbal communication, our credibility. In other words, if a person is, if let's say a woman in particular, if a woman is standing up and saying, I have a great product and our product will change the market and whatever she may be saying with her words, but if she's simultaneously fidgeting with her earrings and pulling and playing with her hair and crossing her legs and uncrossing them or hunching her shoulders, is anybody going to believe that she really does have the greatest product? Or are they going to think, nah, because people are much more impacted by our nonverbal communication than by our verbal communication. If your body is contradicting your words, everyone is going to believe your body more than they believe your words. Absolutely. Just as you do, we do, we all do. If there's a mismatch, we go with the nonverbal. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. I, I can't, I, I can think of examples of where I've heard people speak in my old corporate role where they were saying something that was supposed to be very impactful. And it just wasn't coming across because they they didn't have that energy. They didn't have the confidence. They didn't have the presence. And essentially what we're talking about today is executive presence. Right. True. And so... How do you know if there's a gap? So how do you know if you're showing up in a way that maybe isn't exemplifying the way you want to show up? How do you suggest people identify that? That's a great question. I think that there are a variety of ways. One is to simply ask someone you trust who sees you a lot, ask them, do you think that I'm, am I sabotaging myself with the way I present myself? How do I present myself? You can go to a presentation skills coach who will give you feedback, who will videotape you and give you specific feedback. And if a person is really worried about her, her executive presence, there are some great coaching programs out there that will, who will videotape you and give you very, very specific guidance in your presentation skills. And you can also, without even going to those more direct avenues, you know, there's an old saying, you can tell what you communicated by the results you get. And if you are thinking, oh, I nailed that one. And everybody's walking out like, (laughs) (laughs) just look at the results you're producing. Absolutely. And we spoke about kind of gen- we spoke about gender differences last week on the podcast around how men write they write very concisely women tend to for a lot of reasons we discussed last week tend to use more words and longer sentences and a lot of caveats and nuances to their writing you spoke about the fidgeting with earrings or hair or crossing or uncrossing legs what are common mistakes that people make, um, especially women, when it comes to disempowering themselves with their nonverbal skills? One of the biggest things, and I have a whole presentation on nonverbal workplace communication for women. So I have a whole hour-long action-packed presentation on this topic that people can talk to me about. But when we talk about 
nonverbal communication, we're really talking about a variety of things, about our expressions, our tones, our posture, our gestures, our appearance, the way we dress, and our general personal habits. So it, it's, it's very comprehensive. But one of the main ways that women disempower themselves is with upspeak, upspeak. <laughs> we have, I have a great proposal. We turned in the proposal on time. It is maddening. And I have heard university professors. I have heard physicians. I have heard women who have every reason to be very, very credible damage their credibility by ending their sentences always on the upspeak. And that is very disempowering. There are a couple of other things too. If you smile all the time for no reason, that is, you know, people sometimes think, oh, well, you should always, yes, yes, you should have a pleasant expression on your face, which means you shouldn't be like, frowning and grimacing and but at the same time, you don't see men smiling all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Men have a, many men, most men keep a fairly neutral expression on their face. And when something pleases them or they want to say something positive, then they smile. But it's not uncommon to see women who always have a little smile on their face. Their mother told them to be nice people and they are always smiling. And, uh, <laughs> You know, it's it's that constant smile. People wonder, well, what the hell are you smiling about? <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it can have a, absolutely. I agree with you. It can have the opposite effect. People can think you're a little weird. Yeah. Right? Like, what is going yeah. on there? What is that about? Also, right? gesturing. I mean, and this is now. I'm being a little uh, America centric here, but gesturing too much with your hands like speaking with your hands too much it's important to have conscious deliberate hand gestures it is very important to use your hands when you speak but to be flapping your hands that's disempowering so those are just a few so you brought up something that um we didn't talk about going into this prior to this conversation but Are there any cultural nuances that people should be, you know, (laughs) cognizant of with verbal and nonverbal communication? If we're, you know, because so much business is done, especially through Zoom now, globally, internationally. And are there any nuances that we should be consider, you know, considerate of or conscious of? You know, that's a real minefield. That (laughs) is a minefield. It's a whole nother podcast. That's another whole podcast. (laughs) I think in dealing with certain cultures, like, for example, if you're dealing with an Asian or a Middle Eastern culture, then you want to be a little bit less to the point, a little bit less. Uh, focused business, 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 because they're more relationship focused cultures. Mm-hmm. And what I can only say in the, in just to give a brief answer is to be moderate, be very moderate. Don't wear excessive jewelry. Don't wear excessive colors. Don't gesture excessively. Don't 
up and down your voice excessively. Just if you keep to the middle, you are less likely to offend. Okay. That's good advice. Absolutely. How can people go about, and we talked about, you know, taking a course, having a coach, but in general, what do you think is the biggest thing that women can do, especially to improve their verbal or nonverbal skills? The biggest probably is dealing with upspeak. Okay. That upward tone at the end of a sentence, because it, it just, it just contradicts anything that you said. It takes away the power of it by, by having that upward tone. Also, you know, there are just so many things. Posture. Posture is very important. And again, you know, our mothers told us, stand up straight. And guess what? They were right. If you imagine a person telling you, we've got to make our sales goals for this year. We've got to really, it's time to really meet the goal. And they're standing there and they're all their their shoulders are all hunched over and their back is a little bit bent and their head is a little bit down. Are you going to believe them? No, the person you believe is the person who walks tall, no matter what their physical height is. You can be four feet 11 and still walk tall so that people will think that you're very tall. Walk tall, head held high, chin tucked shoulders back, stern them up. And that again, and we talked about this last week about how writing more confidently makes you feel more confident. And there is this whole Wonder Woman pose thing of standing up, you know, hands on hips. Blah, blah, blah. But when you stand up straight and straighten out your back and hold up your head high, you feel more confident and you look more confident. And don't you, when you walk down the street, you walk through a store. Aren't you constantly judging people and assessing them by their posture? Absolutely. Absolutely. We make a thousand judgments about people just walking through a store. Oh, he's like this. She's like that. He's like this. She's like that. And when we see the person hunched over and we see the person standing tall, we're having very different impressions of who they are. So, Liz, what else can you share around? our body position. I know you're talking about posture, but what else is important for us to know around where we position ourselves in the workplace? That's a great question. First of all, I think there's a wonderful book by Rosamund. What's the woman's name for Harvard Business Review? Rosamund Rosalind. Anyway. Oh, yes. I know. You know who I'm talking about. Anyway, her. She wrote a book on leadership and she had a chapter called leading from any chair. And she was saying how in an orchestra, just because you're not the conductor doesn't mean you can't lead the orchestra. That if you're the second violinist, if you're really passionate and you really play the tune, you can still be a leader. So to some extent, you can lead from any chair. And it's important not to try to hide out and find the least conspicuous place where you can sit and take up the least amount of space. So when you sit down in a conference room, don't feel like you have to sit at the end of the table, far from the leader. You can sit, you don't have to sit like, oh my gosh, I'm going to sit right next to the box. You don't necessarily have to do that, although you could, but sit, you can sit in the middle of the table and 
if you look like, what do men do when they sit down and they spread out their papers? <laughs> they got their papers. They got this here. They got that there. They define their space. And women are sort of, oh, how little space can I take up? And that these are these are important things. It's and you know it might sound stupid. Oh, mark your turf, say your territory. But if everybody else at the table has comfortably spread out their papers and pens and coffee cups and water bottles, and you're huddled in a tiny little space in front of you, that's going to say something about where you stand in the where you think you stand in the hierarchy. And if you are the actual boss and you're still trying to take up as little space as possible, people are going to believe your little space, I am small message more than they're going to believe the title on your business card. Absolutely. And and I think you bring up such a great point around position and power. They don't always go hand in hand. You can have the position, but not have the power because of how you're showing up, because of how you're communicating. And that's really the essential of what it is. It's how you're showing up and how you're communicating, which is why everyone <laughs> everyone needs you, Liz. Right. Because you can have the title, but if you're not communicating powerfully, both written and nonverbal, then you really lose that that position of power. I this is why I love what you do because it's so it's so deep that you can have the title on the card and not have the power. And why do we not have the power because we have not claimed the power or because we have not behaved ourselves into the way that we can claim the power and that goes into it in my in my nonverbal communication course, I have seven empowerment tips for women. And uh, they have to do with your facial expression, your eye contact, your posture, whether you lean in, whether you nod too much. And this is an interesting piece of research that I found, which is that about the role of nodding in communication. And what the research indicates is that women nod to encourage people to keep speaking. Even if they're thinking in their own mind, that is the stupidest freaking idea I ever heard. (laughs) Like we will keep on nodding just like, well, maybe it'll get smarter if I let the person keep talking. So, uh, you know, we let them talk and we nod to encourage them to keep speaking. Men aren't like that. Men nod to agree. Like if they don't nod, and I've noticed this in calls. And I find myself in call, in Zoom calls with men. I'm like nodding, nodding, nodding. And I finally notice like, oh my gosh, this guy is not nodding at all. He is not nodding. And so here's the danger in male-female communication. If you're having a conversation with a man, maybe even a male subordinate, and you are just, you want him to feel comfortable, you want him to talk. So you're nodding away. And in his head, he's thinking, score. She agrees with everything I say. She's nodding. She agrees. And you might not agree at all. But then if you come back later and say, no, I don't agree, he's going to feel betrayed. He's going to be like, no, you nodded. You agreed. So a simple thing like nodding and nodding too much. I mean, if you look, 
men are not nodding all the time. And they're not smiling all the time. They're just kind of being there. It's so true. And as I'm sitting here nodding, I know it's it's so deeply ingrained. We like all it is. It is. I, it, here's another Liz moment where you're on my shoulder again (laughs) and and you will be because it's true. I do. I do find myself doing that a lot. And it's, it's going to be interesting now with my male clients to, or even, you know, men I'm on zoom with. Um, to see if they do that because you're right. I never realized that before. And I do, I nod a lot. It's to me, it's my way of encouraging people exactly like you said, encouraging people to continue speaking, letting them know I'm hearing them. But I also hear and I'm learning that there is a potential mismatch there. If, if what you're saying I don't agree with and I'm nodding because I'm encouraging you to continue speaking, you can perceive that. Again, going back to your three P's and how the person's receiving that, you can perceive that as I'm in, in agreement with you. And I never, I never thought about that before. It was research that surprised me also. And when I started observing men, it was shocking to me how little they nod. <laughs> yes. Yes. I never thought about it until this moment. Um, we talk about taking up physical space. What about verbal space? What are your thoughts about how women take up verbal space? I have some thoughts I'll share too, but I want you to share your thoughts because I'm not sure what you mean by verbal space. Yeah. So one of the things I see is women have a tendency to want to fill space with words. Ah. They don't have the confidence to endure silence. And silence can be so powerful. You know, I learned in, I was in sales for 27 years and there was always the people that just would keep selling after the person is already nodding their head and saying yes. And they would just keep talking. Right till right? the sale gets, gets ruined. Right till the person changes their mind, right? Right. So some of these, some of these things I learned from that background, but definitely some of them I've learned since I've been coaching. And one of them is a coaching technique, which is silence. When people share something or people are afraid to share something, I don't need to fill the silence and with my words, with acknowledging them or with saying anything. Sometimes silence can be such a powerful tool in my coaching practice because it gives people space to think. It gives them time to to process what they want to say. And oftentimes that silence, there will be something beautiful and deep that comes from me allowing them that space to think about what they're sharing. And I... In when I first started coaching, I was so uncomfortable with silence. I filled it all the time. And now I can let long spans of silence go by and not fill them. But I'm just curious to, to know what, what your thought is on that. Silence is very powerful. And I have, uh, I'm writing this month's vitamin on the proper length of email. So I was looking up a lot of quotes on brevity. And Sophocles said, the the ancient Greek playwright, he wrote, much wisdom often goes with fewer words. And 
also silence is extremely powerful to know when to shut up is very very important and i agree with you many women feel extreme men too many people just feel uncomfortable with silence as if they have to they just have to fill it up and particularly in sales that's a great point is that and i did a i did the sandler sales training which was very useful training one of the things that's one of the tools that they talk about in the sales training is just to ask a question and shut up <laughs> do you know how hard that is it is so hard i find it hard it's hard but if you ask a question just shut up until the person answers the question very important and you you're right women will go blah 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 let me answer that question for you and save you the trouble i don't want you to go to the trouble of answering that question i'll just fill it right in for you So uh, (laughs) silence is very important. Yeah. And, you know, the podcast is around holistic leadership. And I think silence can also be really powerful when you ask your kids a question. You know, take the time to hear what they're sharing. Listen. Don't feel the need as a mom to fill the space and let them know how you were struggling with the same thing when you were little and this and that and all your solutions and all your nurturing, which is has a place. But anything in excess is not good, right? And I think there's a big opportunity for for us as as moms, as sisters, as wives to really enjoy the silence. Thank you for that wisdom. It's very, very important. Very important. I may add that to my training the next time I do it. <laughs> I'll steal it, but I'll, yes. I'll I'll cite you. I'll cite you. No, no, that that I you're welcome to it. Um, I think it's just really needed. Any last words of wisdom you have for the audience around how they can be powerful with their verbal and non and both both verbal and nonverbal communication skills? One thing is to plant your feet on the ground. I'm not a great fan of high heels anyway, but if you feel the ground under you, literally settle yourself, balance your weight on your two feet and feel the ground under you, that will help you with all your nonverbal communication. Be aware, look in the mirror, just look in the mirror sometime and see, look at your expression, ask people for feedback and watch your vocal tone, watch your expression. Don't smile all the time. Don't nod all the time. And these really, in a sense, in an abstract way, they go back to silence. Because what is that constant speaking and the constant nodding and the constant smiling and the constant fidgeting with the jewelry and the hair and the glasses and the this and that? What is all that except a discomfort with stillness Mm. and a discomfort fundamentally with being present? So I said this at the end of the last episode, and I'll say it again. When you are fully present and you are fully yourself and fully authentic, people will trust you and people will believe you. And when you don't feel comfortable being present and you don't feel comfortable taking up space, 
other people will feel it and they will respond to it. So you might think, oh my gosh, how do I do that? Start by taking a deep breath and feeling your feet on the floor. And that will really help you. Liz, well, you've grounded us in such great wisdom for these last two episodes. I'm so grateful. And I'm sitting here smiling and nodding voraciously. <laughs> because, Sometimes it's appropriate. I'm not saying never can, nod, never smile. Sometimes it's the right thing to do. No, it's just I'm so grateful. Thank you for taking the time sharing all of your wisdom with my listeners and uh, for continuing to enlighten me and help helping me up level my communication, both verbal and nonverbal. I really appreciate you. Thank you. And thank you for all that you do too. You're really doing powerful work. Thanks, Liz. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now. Thank you.